But I think the market to go after is offering car drivers a decent alternative and cheap alternative to journeys they don't necessarily have to do by car. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged In-Depth this week with Vernon Everett, Transport Commissioner for Greater Manchester in the United Kingdom. Vernon, thank you so much for being our guest today across the pond. Uh, it's my, my pleasure, Paul. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, very exciting. And we were just talking just before we came on board. Vernon is a musician, just like I am, plays guitar, <laughs> and he showed me an amazing guitar on the wall right behind him that has... Uh, a map of uh, transport for London. That's pretty cool, Vernon. How'd you get that? It does. Well, we we produced uh, a, a number. It's a Stratocaster with a okay. with a, a with a map of uh, the London Underground, and we produced a load of them to celebrate um, the anniversary, the 150th anniversary of London Underground. Uh, so it was created in 1863. So a few years back, we had the, the 150th anniversary fender. Manufactured, manufactured a load for us, and we sold them through the London Transport Museum shop. That's pretty cool. And they, and they were very kind, because I'm a lefty, so they were very kind to do me a lefty one with my own local station near the input jack. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. What more could I ask for, Paul? Yeah, that is great. And you play in uh, some cover ba- a cover band there? I play, I play in a covers band. Yeah, it's a great release from, from the... You know, from the work environment, I just love it. I love music. I love football. I'm a I'm a Fulham supporter uh, here, soccer uh, soccer team in the Premier League, uh, and uh, yeah, I love music. Like love the camaraderie of the band, and yeah, and learn and learning how to play with each other, and when to step back, and when to step forward, and all those sorts of things actually that translate into professional life as well in some respects. So, uh, tell me a little about yourself. I mean, we've already kind of. Uh, dived right in here but um so you you're, you're right now the transport commissioner of, of greater manchester and you've just announced i mean timing is everything right we were going to do this uh recording a week or so ago and then the unfortunate passing of the queen occurred yeah. and so we postponed it uh but for our purposes it probably worked out better because you made a bunch of announcements which i'll ask you to tell us about in just a minute but first off let's set the stage tell me a little bit about um you know, the United Kingdom, what you all just went through, the passing of the Queen, and you and I were just talking about that in the green room. I think that's something that's very interesting to our listeners around the world. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the uh, the royal family mean you know, just so much to us. And Queen Elizabeth II, uh, yeah, the longest reigning monarch uh, in British history, 70 years of public service. And, and she was an absolute role model for us all in terms of servant leadership. And it was just a moment when um, it was uh, yeah, a somber occasion uh, to uh, commemorate a very long life and a, and a very, and one just full of service, um, but also want to celebrate that and really to celebrate it because she was wonderful. And the baton has now been passed to King Charles III, um, who uh, I know has an appreciation of public transport and, and everything that goes behind it and all the, the, the logistics that go behind making public transport work in, in urban and other environments. And, of course, we have the Elizabeth Line in London named after Her Majesty, which has recently opened. So there's and, and, you know, Prince Charles, as he was, and then King Charles III, 
very, very interested in. Uh, we visited the London Transport Museum on a number of occasions uh, and, um, and, and used to just arrive and, and meet train drivers at depots and things like that. He has a genuine interest. I'm, I'm excited to hear you say that King, uh, that the new King is very interested in public transport and a supporter of that. I've heard that in the past, so that's good news. Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you, you spent a lot of your career in London at Transport for London. Tell us about what you did there, your role. Of course, uh, at the time of our recording this, it's just been announced that Andy Byford, who I was actually going to meet with next week while I was in London, yeah. and Andy Lord, who was going to be a guest on the show, both of them had to cancel. Uh, so, um, Thank you for filling in, although this wasn't meant as a fill-in, but you're kind of standing in for the United Kingdom on our show this week. Uh, but both of them, because uh, Andy Byford is, is retiring or leaving TFL, and Andy Lord, the COO, is going to step in as acting commissioner. But you were there for quite a while, you told me, and we're, and we're you know, comrades with those guys. Yeah, I, I, I joined uh, Transport for London in 2007. Um, and for, well, I started work in 1980. I left school when I was 16. I went straight into bank, the banking industry. I worked for the central bank here for okay. nearly 20 years, and then the financial services regulator, the equivalent of the SEC, uh, where you are. Um, so I had sort of 28, a 28-year career before I moved into transport wow. in 2007. But you look like um, you're 40, so you must have started when you were really young. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's all the makeup. Um, but the... Yeah, I, I, so I switched to, to transport in 2007, and I'm so grateful that I did. I've learned so much in the 15 years that I was there. It was privileged to work there. The people of Transport for London are absolutely wonderful. They are passionate about delivering. Like, it, it's, it, I think it's the same for all of us, Paul, isn't it, across the world? What we do in transport is so visible to us. Yes. Uh, you know, in many jobs, you know, stuff passes your desk and you, you know, you're a cog in a very big machine in in our industry whether you're you're working at the front line driving a vehicle or in a station in a control room in the finance department whatever it is you can see where all your effort goes to and that, that there's a real passion there and i think i think that provides a kinship actually across the globe doesn't it yes uh, between all between all of us that are working in this industry but you know tfl has a long history as i mentioned that the london underground First opened in 1863, and um, it's a wonderful institution. And I, I was the managing director of customers communication and technology. At the end, I did variations on that theme throughout my career. I was um, I, I ran the underground in an interim capacity before Andy Lord joined. Uh, I I did all of the um, travel demand management for the London 2012 Olympic Games. And I, I uh, you know, I led on. I, I hope that I led on making the organisation more customer focused, because it is sometimes easy to get absorbed by the bits of metal that we carry people around in, um, and actually just reminding ourselves that transport is an enabler of so much else, of economic growth, of creating jobs and housing and social inclusion, and I think all of that means that you get a real sense of purpose uh, when you work for an institution yes. like so and 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 now in greater manchester it's, it's the same thing actually so um yeah so i had 15 wonderful years years there i learned loads i worked for sir peter hendy oh i love peter cool. yeah so uh it's one peter. of the best and shrewdest people i've ever worked for yes he's been on and, our show before and I've, I've been on a panel with him a long yeah. time ago and he's what a what a treasure yeah yeah well he it, it, that's precisely what he is actually yeah he sort of yeah. leads 
he leads for us all in this country in the area of transport. And, you know, the great and the good will pick the phone up to Peter and ask him what he thinks, you know. So it's been a privilege working for people like that. And I've seen all, all the different mayors. I worked for Mayor Livingstone, um, uh, Boris Johnson when he was uh, when he was Mayor of London, and, and latterly Sadiq Khan, and now in Greater Manchester, I've got the great privilege of working for Andy Burnham, who's uh, someone else who's got a really strong and clear vision for uh, for public transport and active travel. So it's been great. I wouldn't change it. Great. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that then. As you mentioned, Andy Burnham, I mean, he's really, uh, you, you guys are, um, let me put this in context for our listeners. So in the United Kingdom, there's two different models of transportation. London does it one way, basically where they contract with, uh, where they provide their own service. And then they have some contracts called franchises with companies that are done under uh, a tender, what what the rest of us call uh, in the US, you know, a, an R, a request for proposals and then a contract. But the, the rest of your country, tell us how it's done uh, differently there, how, you know, it's kind of a free-for-all. <laughs> uh, and then and then what you're trying to do there in Greater Manchester under the leadership of your mayor. Yeah, so so in um, in London, as you say, said, for the buses, yeah, the many thousands yes, of right. famous London red buses, uh, they are run under what we would call a franchise. So Transport for London says we want this many buses running on these routes to this frequency. And then it pays the bus operator a management fee for for running that service. Right. Last time I was there, I visited a company called Tower Transport. Yeah. They were they were one of the the providers. They took me to the garage, showed me how it all works. Very interesting. Under contract, does the does TFL run any of the buses themselves, Vernon, or is it all contracted? Not directly. They're they're all they're all franchised. Now in the rest of the country, the bus the bus network is um, just commercially operated. There are some services that are contracted by um, local mayors or, or, or local authorities, but they tend to be ones that don't have a commercial case. They, they tend to be to certain you know, rural communities and elsewhere where the commercial model just wouldn't work. So the local authority has to intervene to fund those services. But by and large, everything is actually done uh, commercially. Now, what's happening in, in Greater Manchester is that there's a there was something called the Bus Services Reform Act in 2017, um, which gives uh, mayors like Andy Burnham the power to actually run the buses in the same way as is run in London. And so for the first time, and we're doing this in three stages in Greater Manchester, but uh, with the first franchise services only a little over a year away from you know actually running on the, on the streets of Greater Manchester, um, he, he's able to... Uh, or we will be able to specify in the round the overall bus service network for Greater Manchester, and it's a lot. Of, uh, it's the biggest mode of transport um, in Greater Manchester after the car. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But the you know there are just over three million people that live in Greater Manchester. It's got the same geographic footprint as Greater London, actually. Wow. But it's just just got um, whereas London has nine million inhabitants, Greater Manchester's just over three. So. Uh, there's a 60-40 mode share, 60% vehicles, car vehicles, to 40% public transport and active travel. And we're trying to put that more in balance to the 50-50 and move people away from unnecessary car journeys. We're not anti-car, right? uh, but we're just seeking to improve public transport to give people a viable alternative. 
um, because it, you know, frankly, it hasn't been there. So, so that the, the franchising is a big deal. So, um, by the beginning of 2025, all of the buses that operate in Greater Manchester will be operated under this franchise system. Uh, and as I, as I mentioned, we're just a little over a year away. For the first ones, we've got we just received the bids for those franchises. There's very strong commercial interest in um, in running them. Uh, and as you say, Paul, we were able to announce a whole bunch of things. Yeah, uh, just just yesterday that in Boston, so we we published out the new livery uh, that our vehicles will have, the buses will have in Greater Manchester. There is already a very very extensive tram network. Okay, called Metrolink. It's the biggest tram network in the United Kingdom. <clears throat> and that is already operated by Transport for Greater Manchester. So what this uh, enables us to do is actually integrate the tram network with the bus network and look at it in the round and plan it accordingly. And then we also want to go on uh, to uh, the suburban rail network in Greater Manchester and integrate that from a payments and fares perspective, just to do what's happened in London. You know, as everyone knows, and, and has happened in New York and and, and, and in other huge cities where you, you just sort of integrate all the modes, have a single means of payment, daily and weekly capping, people don't even have to think about it. They just tap and go. So that's the journey we're on. And in, in Greater Manchester, it's known as the B network, as in B the insect, which is the symbol of Manchester, the busy bee, okay. uh, which, which, came, which emanated from the Industrial Revolution uh, when Greater Manchester was in the vanguard, as it still is, of industrial manufacturing output. So we'll, we'll brand it all in, in that way, bring it all together, connect all the plumbing up uh, in terms of fares and ticketing and information. And then this region will have its, uh, an integrated public transport network with low fares. We've, we've uh, made a big intervention to low fares uh, on the bus network to encourage more patronage. And we've ordered 50 um, zero emission buses for the first tranche. We put an order in last week for those. I, I, I'm, I, it's just a shame I can't show your listeners. I mean, they look stunning. They yes. look stunning. Yeah. I encourage our listeners to go to Vernon Everett's LinkedIn page. And he put a post up with a picture of these brand new yellow buses that look like bumblebees. Uh, <laughs> the color of a bumblebee, I guess I would say, yeah. yellow. It's phenomenal, man. It'll really stand yeah. out just like the red buses in London, you know? I, I think they'll be an iconic symbol of that region. Yeah. And it's not just for show. You know, it will be a mark of quality. So when people see one of those buses, they know it will have two spaces for disabled, uh, for, for wheelchair users. It will have hearing induction loops. It will have ramps that come down and, and enable um, wheelchair users to get on and off easily. Uh, it will have USB charging point. It will be, it'll be a good audio and CCTV and all of that. It will be a fabulous experience and it really will be a mark of quality. And made right there in Great Britain, right? Made in Great Britain, Alexander Dennis are the manufacturer. The buses are, uh, are built in Scarborough, uh, which is in, uh, in Yorkshire in the United Kingdom. And uh, it's just going to be wonderful. We just, we just can't wait, actually, for, yeah. to be able to show them rolling off the production line. And, and we're, it, Paul, the, the, the point about all of this integration is to go after that market of car users who who maybe have been put off public transport and active travel, actually, because a lot of this is about walking, cycling, and wheeling uh, as well. And I've got a colleague, uh, Dame Sarah Storey, who's the Active Travel Commissioner in Greater Manchester. And Dame Sarah's working uh, 
She's the most su- successful Paralympian in the United Kingdom. Um, you know, top class, af- top class athlete. Uh, and Sarah is leading for the mayor on the active travel side of things as well. So Sarah and I work very closely together. So the B network is about public transport as much uh, and about active travel uh, as well. So it's all it's all coming together. It's all terribly exciting, and um, it's led by by Mayor Andy Burnham and the leaders of the ten districts of Greater Manchester. Um, and it's it's a privilege to be involved in it. Yeah, and and. From my take, you know, having been in politics as a commissioner here in America and also uh, a CEO of a transit system, they're very lucky, Vernon, to have someone like you help them lead the effort who had such a great career at TFL, understands how it works, now helping to lead them to this new brand new model of franchising. What's been the um, what's been the holdup? I mean, is it because of the cost? Is this going to cost a lot more? Why haven't more places done the fran- you know, gone to the franchising model? Well. For buses, that the, um, the all, all of the bus services were deregulated in 1986, except London. Okay. So London has always had this sort of model. Yes. But all all around the country, you know, this was at the time dereg. You, you mean you may recall, Paul, during the 1980s, deregulation. Yeah, that was Margaret Thatcher, right? I mean, Mrs. Thatcher, and you know, big bang in the financial services industry here where all the financial markets were deregulated and suddenly we right. had Stanley and Brothers setting up in London. And, right, you know, right. You, you, you know, you had, you had all of that. So, so this was a worked. product of that deregulation? It was. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, in London, what happened when Ken Livingston became mayor? The London mayoralty only started in the year 2000, hmm. but very quickly, and, and under um, Peter Hendy and, and, and Leon Daniels, the, um, the bus network was very rapidly built up. Because the bus network had been in decline in London as well, as, as, as it had actually across the transport network. There'd been little investment in London's transport network post the Second World War. You had the Victoria Line in the late 60s, but otherwise there hadn't really been much investment. And suddenly investment was made in the bus network. It was made frequent, reliable, and cheap. And hey, presto, everyone started to use it. And uh, that, that's the magic ingredient that we're seeking to sort of capture in Manchester. And it's not about pre and post COVID. We do know the world of work has changed. Fewer people are going into work yes. five days a week and all of that. We get all of that. But Greater Manchester's growing. It's the fastest growing region of the United Kingdom over mm. the last 10 years. The population grew at nearly 7%, wow. nearly, nearly one percentage point uh, uh, faster than the rest of the country. There's thousands of jobs being created. There's thousands of homes. There's cranes everywhere. And, you know, yes, transport's been buffeted by, by the ravages of COVID, but I think the market to go after is, is offering car drivers a decent alternative and a cheap alternative to, to, to journeys they don't necessarily have to do by car. And, again, I must stress, I'm not anti-car. Yeah, right, uh, I understand. Some, yeah. Sometimes only a car will do, you know, it's got heavy shopping and all the rest of it. But um, and, it, and it's got all sorts of green. Those buses I mentioned, you know, zero emission. We, right. we, we, we will have a third of the bus fleet in Greater Manchester will be zero emission in just a few years' time. It's, how, uh, it's amazing. How will it be paid for? Because I'm sure right now, yeah. since you don't have to pay for it, it's kind of revenue risk on the part of these companies, first group yeah. or whoever's doing it. And now suddenly you're going to pay them to do it. Um, where's the money coming from? 
So it's a combination of things. It's it's local money raised through uh, the mayor's um, um, revenue raising powers, his precept, um, and the regular charge uh, that uh, the ten districts pay okay. for uh, transport services, and also a significant proportion of central government money. And there are two pots for that. There's a capital pot. So Greater Manchester has 1.2 billion, which is a billion from government, 200 million raised locally of capital funding, which is buying these buses and which is funding the transition to the franchise system. It also, amongst that billion, there's also the maintenance money for Metrolink tram network and um, active travel facilities and bus priority lanes and all of that. So that's what that's the capital pot. And then there's a revenue pot for buses uh, that's been provided for by government called the Bus Service Improvement Plan pot. And we've used that uh, to uh, reduce the fares. Yeah, I saw uh, that, that recently. That's pretty that's, cool. The video of you and the mayor riding the bus and he's showing the little <laughs> card and say, you don't have to pay more than, what is it, two pounds or something like that? It's two pounds for, for an adult single journey. Yeah. So if you if, so that that video that you saw, the journey I made the week before would have cost four four pounds single. Wow. It cost it cost me two pounds. And there's a five pound all bus ticket where you can ride the buses, any bus. And remember, there are multiple operators at the moment. Right. So you can ride any bus for five pounds all day. And children's fares are a one pound, a one pound single, uh, and you know two pounds for adults, one pound for right. uh, children, two pound fifty all day for children. So it's a big, big intervention, and it's, it's designed to say to people, look, you know, come, come and use us. And we've got a massive campaign. The other thing we'll be launching next week, Paul, is a, a, a the biggest publicity campaign for public transport and active travel in the region's history, and this is all part. Of, of producing those magic, magic ingredients, of a safe and reliable service, affordable value for money services, and also progress and innovation. You know, your, your network needs to feel like it's on the up to to encourage more people to to use us. So, so yeah, it's very That's- very exciting. You're also you also announced yesterday some some uh, investments in safety and some new programs. Yeah. Uh, talk about that because here in the U.S. especially, that's been a hot topic. I mean, it is everywhere, isn't it? I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast would recognise that that crime and antisocial behaviour and and really the fear of it can be a real barrier to people using public transport. Yeah, it may well be that you'll never you'll never experience it yourself. But if you if you're fearful of it, you're not you're not going to use it. So in uh, in Manchester, we have something called the Travel Safe Partnership, which is a partnership between the Greater Manchester Police, Transport for Greater Manchester, and many other agencies. And they do, they patrol the network and provide a physical presence on top of people that check for revenue, you know, ticket, ticket inspection and all that sort of stuff. And what we're seeking to do is to take that approach and just take it a bit further. So what we've done is working with Greater Manchester Police. There, there are 10 districts in Greater Manchester. The Greater Manchester Police will now regard the transport network as the 11th district. And they do special exercises in the 10 geographic districts, boroughs, um, where they literally flood the borough for a day or two with literally hundreds of officers who are there to provide visible reassurance, to help vulnerable people, because 
you know, it, it, you know, many times we do find people on the network that need help and also to combat any crime and antisocial behaviour. So it's a concentrated burst of policing pulling together all of the various elements of the police force um, alongside our revenue inspectors and everybody travelling on a bus, on a train, on a tram or on a, a bike hire will over that 24-hour period, 24-hour period, see that physical presence. And we want to convey that message that we want to run a safe and orderly network um, and it is safe and there are people that you can contact if at any time you don't feel safe. So it's it's a very, very significant extension of what's already there and I I think it's just a new way of thinking for us in in terms of ensuring, uh, ensuring people's safety. We did it. Uh, we did a bit of this at um, on London Underground, where we had a spate of terrible incidents, uh, including attacks on our own staff. And you know, quite frankly, enough was enough. We just needed to hire more people to give that visible reassurance. And as I say, the overwhelming majority of the people that use our transport networks are law-abiding people who just want to go about their day. But this is about dealing with the small minority who don't do that and to provide assurance to the overwhelming majority. In your role there, um, Vernon, as Commissioner of Transportation uh, for the Greater Manchester, tell us a little bit about um, the structure of the how the government works and your role. Do you like work, do you work for the mayor? Are you part of the government? Or are you separate as an independent? How does all that work? Yeah, I, I, I occupy this weird space. Um, no, no, serious point, uh, I work for the mayor. Okay. So I'm appointed by the mayor and the 10 districts. So I'm employed by the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, okay. which is the mayor plus the 10 districts. Gotcha. The mayor is the portfolio holder for transport for the region. So this is why he's so in, well, he's naturally interested because he's- every mayor, Does every mayor have that or is this something no. particular with him? Okay. No, no. He's, well, in London, of course, the mayor's the chairman of transport for London. Right. Constitutionally, that's written in. So uh, whether he likes it or not, the mayor mayor is is chairman of Transport for London. But it doesn't necessarily follow uh, around the rest of the country. But where where we are getting more democratically elected mayors, they will take the lead in transport because of its significance. Yes. So the the local economies and education skills and all of the things that the mayors are there to deliver. So, but he's he's got a very particular interest in transport. He see he worked in London for years. He was an MP. He was a he, he was a very senior minister in the Labour government. Um, you know, held very high office in the Treasury and, and other departments. So he gets all of this, uh, and so he's instinctively and naturally interested and curious and inquisitive and can see. And he's driving. You know, so tra- transport for Greater Manchester is run by um, a, a wonderful public servant uh, called Eamon Boylan, who's also chairman, oh, no, chief executive, sorry, of the whole combined authority. So he, he puts together the whole authority plus transport throughout Manchester and he's the chief exec. So I work really closely with Eamon and his team. So I'm, I'm advising the mayor, but I'm working with Eamon to drive forward the whole agenda. Um, and yeah, you just need to balance up where you spend your time and resources and, right. and help you give. But I'm, I'm able to go around and help, you know, lots of people in tra- transport great Manchester because, you know, I have, I've, you know, seen a fair bit in, uh, in London. 
Do you think, um, as you guys are the first ones, right, outside of London to do this, now I just yeah. heard that Liverpool may be expressing some interest. Is this going to be a trend, you think? I, th- I think so. Yeah. Uh, because the, what it does, it, it puts the local, the local region in control of its planning. Look, um, the, the commercial model has not been all bad. And right. competition and, you know, the, 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 well, I'm not, I would say this. I regard the transport operators in Great Manchester as partners. This is a partnership. We can't succeed without them and vice versa. Uh, but uh, more, more, you know, just more than that, it is about a partnership and pride. You talk to any of the bus companies, bus drivers, they're incredibly proud of what they're doing for the region. I mean, you just want to tap into that so that we're all, all in this together, including the train operating companies as well, which we don't control directly but we work really closely with them because they're such an intrinsic part of the public transport network. So um, we're bringing all of that together. And, and in your Apple, there are, there are other people looking at the franchising model. Uh, you mentioned the Liverpool city region, other regions of the UK are. And in, in, the, um, in Wales, uh, I'm on the board of uh, transport for Wales. And Welsh government is, is looking at franchising nationally. The okay. bus services uh, in Wales as well. So I, I think the people that plan stuff can see that when you bring all of this together and look at it in the round, of course, observing local needs, because all buses are very local, aren't they? Um, you know, it just, it just enables you to plan your public transport system much more effectively. Now, on the money and the revenue risk and all the rest of it, yeah, you have to, you have to take that. But that's part of the, yeah, you'd rather be in control of your own destiny, wouldn't you? Uh, and it's up to us to drive revenue. So we, we need to make the system attractive to get more people to use it to drive the revenue up. And then we'll reinvest that money in even more improvements in public transport. Well, thank you for sharing with us today, Vernon, uh, the kind of how this is all going to work. It's very exciting. And I can't think of a better guy they have in charge to help make this all happen. Somebody who had great experience where it's done well in London. And um, we hope that you'll let us know how it goes in a year from now when you when you pull the um, you know pull the plug on or put the plug in, whatever the analogy is, <laughs> and make it run. Yeah. Yeah. We'd lo- we're, I'd, I'd love to come back and, and, and do that, Paul. And, and thanks very much for the chance to, uh, to talk to you today. Cheers to you, my friend. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our special guest, Vernon Everett, Transit Commissioner of Transport for Greater Manchester. Next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we have Charles Latuka, CEO of Go Triangle in North Carolina, talking about his region's public transit activities. Don't forget this Friday, another episode of Transit Unplugged TV drops, this time coming to you from the Mile High City of Denver. Now, if you want to make sure you don't ever miss an episode of Transit Unplugged or Transit Unplugged TV, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at transitunplugged.com. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.